0: Well, let's start by asking what a healthy housing market looks like.
1: Sure. So a healthy housing market enables residents to build wealth, gives the city resources to provide services for its residents, and fosters community by supporting a mix of residents. Now, Detroit's housing market, unfortunately, has been really challenged by weak demand for the housing that exists One of the reasons why is that there's an oversupply of aging and very dilapidated housing stock uh, that makes it difficult for people to imagine what it might look like rehabilitated or that the um, transaction costs really of buying a home also mean that I have to put a lot of resources into bringing it up to code and even making it um, livable. Um, And then the other challenge is that there's uh, in Detroit, really a lack of sufficient income and access to capital for potential home buyers. So, on the demand side, there is a smaller pool of people who are going to be able to buy a home, especially able to qualify for a mortgage.
0: So, how can that be fixed? And I know that's a broad question. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so let's take uh, them one by one, right? So, demand, I think on the bright side um, of uh, this particular part of the question, you have seen after many years of population loss, you have seen a stabilization of um, where the population has uh, decreased just. 8%, eight percent right so that that should be considered um, a significantly positive sign um, after decades of significant loss um, the city's still losing population but it's also gaining some new residents as well and those residents are attracted to certain neighborhoods uh, in Detroit, um, midtown, downtown, that's great. Um, However, you also want to see people attracted to other neighborhoods around the city as well. So um, helping to build a pipeline of demand is um, related to a number of different factors I can come back to. Supply of housing is another consideration. So One of the um, uh, challenges that I mentioned earlier is that Detroit has a very old and aging housing stock, some of which has been in um, mortgage foreclosure or tax foreclosure for many years, which means that the housing is not move-in ready. So one of the solutions to um, dealing with the supply is to create more move-in ready homes, and there are a number of solutions that Detroit has developed to address that. But the increase in the supply of move-in-ready homes will help to boost the market. And then the third issue is credit and improving the financial health of residents in Detroit. 62% of Detroit residents have subprime or no credit. And absent having better credit or credit, um, there won't be enough people able to be that kind of a pipeline of home buyers.
0: Well, part of the problem, uh, I'm sorry, part yeah. of the problem no, with uh, with uh, the credit, uh, access to credit, is uh, debt. I mean, we have a huge yes. debt problem. Personal uh, personal debt is uh, very high, and that makes it hard for people to obtain the funds they need to get a mortgage or, or fix up an existing home. Um, would forgiving people's debt, I mean, just writing it off and let them fresh start, it, would that be a, a way to jumpstart things? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I appreciate that question. Unfortunately, you know, families' financial health makes a difference beyond the walls of a family home. And so it is important to focus on improving the financial health of Detroit residents because it also matters for the city's health and financially healthy families can also contribute to the local economy and city revenue that the city needs to improve the quality of services. And let me just unpack what the sources of that debt is for um, a minute. So 32% of the debt held by Detroit residents is medical debt. 32% is medical debt as compared to 19% in the US as a, as a benchmark. Um, and that's not necessarily a sign of financial stress. It is a sign that uh, people may not understand their bills, may not be able to pay them on time. I do think some of the um, Affordable Care Act changes might be, uh, make uh, an improvement to that, um, even though that debate is very live in Congress at the moment. Government debt is 13 percent. Of the debt held by Detroit residents. And that's, I know, been a hotly debated topic in Detroit. Things like not, you know, water utility, for instance, um, other kinds of parking tickets. Um, Those are the kinds of things that show up in government debt.
0: And back taxes, too.
1: And back taxes, right. So if you wanted to write off the debt would, in in this example, would mean writing off a significant amount of government debt that the local government in part needs to improve the quality of services that will bring down other kinds of costs like um, homeowners insurance, for instance. So it is a cycle, it is a circle, Um, and there's a lot of interdependent parts to these costs.
0: On the topic of insurance, one problem uh, identified in the executive summary uh, briefly is high insurance rates. Uh, Housing activists here blame that on redlining by insurance companies. They say people can't afford insurance because the providers charge too much, basing their rates on high-risk factors such as car theft, uh did your study find any evidence of redlining and if so what can be done to prevent insurers from exploiting Detroiters or punish those who do
1: yeah so the report did not um specifically focus on redlining but it does does discuss high car homeowners and title insurance rates. Um, there's no question when you compare the credit scores inside Detroit and outside Detroit that there is something going on, uh, but it wasn't the specific focus of the report. But let me to talk a little bit about the car insurance issues. And um, this is what we heard from the experts that we interviewed for the study. So, again, this is, the, this is through the lens of the people we talked to. Many say that the high car insurance rates are incorrectly associated, you know, fault crime as the reason for the high premiums. Um, They point to the unlimited medical coverage, which Michigan law requires under its mandatory no-fault insurance plan as the main driver of these costly premiums. Um, So this state law protects drivers and their passengers in the event of a catastrophic accident, but... They argue that there are folks who are abusing um, the medical benefits and um, there are a lot of personal injury lawyers who kind of fuel this problem. And when you compare the fact that there are the same rate of accidents inside Detroit and outside Detroit but higher costs inside Detroit, they are isolating the challenge of high Car premiums to this particular issue.
0: Now you mentioned uh, things uh, that uh, could help uh, programs uh, that are already in place uh, with regard to the housing stock. The Detroit Land Bank Authority's uh, uh, rehabbed and Ready program, fixing up some of those homes. The demolition program uh, that uh, uh, the mayor's uh, administration is uh, uh, has to tear down uh, thousands of homes. Uh, that itself is under some federal scrutiny at the moment, but. Um, what other things can Detroit do or what other things is Detroit uh, doing uh, to address its housing problems, uh, what's it doing right and what's it doing wrong?
1: Right. So I think one of the um, amazing things uh, about Detroit is the entrepreneurial spirit and of which people are really working to develop solutions for the sort of multiple challenges um, that Detroit is facing that are shared with other places around the country. So I understand that one of the challenges in Detroit is instead of facing just one of these issues, it faces, you know, 10 or 11 of the major challenges. Um, But it can, there are other programs that I think we point to that could be useful to look at. Um, So one thing I would say is Detroit should build on what it's already doing. It's it's been a source of innovation. Um, One of the purposes of our report was to document that innovation so others could learn from it around the country. Um, And so build on that, uh, deepen the work, uh, amplify the work, and try to expand upon the existing efforts that are um, bearing some fruit, uh, I think is the first thing that I would point to. Detroit's interconnected challenges also need interconnected solutions. So uh, Detroit's um, housing market operates in sort of a complex ecosystem that has a lot of different actors with a lot of different roles and responsibility who administer different policies and programs that all are dealing with one of these kind of individual elements of this complex housing puzzle. And I think one of the things we are pointing to are looking for other efforts around the country that have um, sought to align um, that their housing ecosystems in order to address demand, supply, and credit access concurrently um, rather than kind of dealing with them as separate challenges. So we point to a number of um, other places in the country where there are definitely solutions um, that we think are replicable in Detroit, things like equity insurance programs in Syracuse and Oak Park in Chicago, Illinois as an example, um, but also to um, efforts that are focused on this alignment of um, capital resources and formed compacts across the various sectors to address key challenges.
0: Yeah. Can you explain a little more about uh, what a housing compact is? Sure.
1: So, and I think one, you know, one familiar approach um, that uh, we point to in the report that um, Detroit, uh, just as a benchmark, is the blight removal task force that focused a lot of people's energy across different sectors um, to solve a particular problem or to really sort of accelerate the solution to the issue of blight in the city. A more sustained approach that um, seeks to align private capital, public capital, uh, action by nonprofits um, is something we call a compact. And one of the best examples of this is a, the Preservation Compact in Chicago, which was formed um, over 15 years ago to address the issue of the preservation of affordable rental housing in the um, Cook County region. And they got together, identified a plan across the, all these different sectors, put public capital, get, the city put its money on the table, the private sector put its money on the table, philanthropy put its money on the table, and they also aligned action to address um, a solution. They named what the goal was. They wanted to preserve 75,000 units of housing by 2020, and they track their progress Every year through these kind of aligned policy and capital solutions and and policy action um, and so we point to that as a as an example that could be replicated in Detroit and focused attention on and we named three different particular challenges that we heard throughout our research that could be the focal point for such a compact.
0: You talked to experts here in Detroit. You talked to a lot of folks here in Detroit, uh, you and the other members of the research team. Did, uh, did, that, did Did you actually come to Detroit? Oh,
1: yes, absolutely. What did you see? Um, mm-hmm.
0: what, what, what stood out to you as, you as you saw what, you know, up close and, and in person, what our situation looks like?
1: Yeah. So I would say both the research team and I personally spend quite a bit of time in Detroit and have for um, a number of years. So what I've seen over the course, personally over the course of probably the last um, 10 years, is really remarkable improvement in the um, condition of uh, the neighborhoods and the housing in Parts of the city, right? Not it isn't equally felt across the city, but certainly in uh, Midtown, downtown, and some of the other neighborhoods, there has been really visible um, improvement in the quality of the housing stock and the vibrancy of the neighborhoods. It's not as equally distributed, and I think many in the in Detroit understand, know that, and are working to address the equity of the approach across the city, um, to make sure there is, as the mayor says, a plan for every neighborhood. Um, I think the over this particular period of time, we have um, seen evidence of a lot of new collaborations, um, new actors stepping up um, into, and being part of uh, these discussions, working together, um, in new ways, um, focused on solutions um, to a variety of different challenges and not being um, daunted sometimes, even though the challenge is taunting, uh, in the development of those, of those challenges. Just being very uh, focused that time is, um, they only get a certain amount of attention for a period of time and to leverage that attention of people across the country and locally to try to really accelerate um, the recovery in Detroit.
0: Yeah, because a lot of people in those neighborhoods feel left out, the ones that uh, haven't been reached yet. Uh, And as far as, you know, when you talk about coordinating everything through a housing compact, how do you get everybody to buy into that?
1: Well, I think it's a very retail approach. And one of the things that, that was done in Chicago was to make sure that the community voice, the tenant voice, because in this case it was focused on rental housing, was at the leadership table. So I think the leadership table, the steering committee table, has to be um, representative of the key um constituents and actors uh, in the city. So it's not just the private sector. It's not just the philanthropic sector. It's not just the public sector. It has to be representative of the communities as well. So to have some critical intermediaries or um, leaders um, in that uh, conversation driving and supporting those decisions is a one way in which to achieve greater equity in the approach.